I'm going to invite the Nicaragua and Mexico teams to come up. Woo! And they're going to share real quick. Uh, they both have been out. The Nicaragua team got back a couple weeks ago. The Mexico team just got back this week. Uh, and so really thankful that the Lord was able to use them in mighty ways. So I just want you to hear real quick uh, what it was like. Obviously, it's a mission trip, many days, so you're just going to get a tiny taste of that. Uh, you guys have a mic? Does anybody have a mic? No. Steve, where's that mic? Does Steve have a mic? No. have no mic. Steve's got a mic. Oh, okay, great. Steve's got a mic. He's always ready. All right. Cool. So first, uh, why don't we start with Nicaragua, since they went, they went first on the trip. So you're going to hear a little bit about what God did there. This is the Nicaragua team over here. Uh, and then we're going to hear about what God did in Mexico. Okay, go ahead, Valeria. Let's go, Nicaragua. Um, okay, uh, well, the Lord did awesome things. So next. Just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, okay, so honestly, um, the Lord really did uh, a lot of things in I had to compartmentalize it in a few words, so it's going to be hard. Um, but two things uh, that the Lord highlighted specifically to me, uh, so I was just praying and see what, you know, what I should share right now, is we need Jesus regardless of our resources, regardless of where we're at. A specific story that I want to share is we went to this very, very um, really poor town like it was on the mountains like the road was it was it was, it was hard <laughs> we drove for I think three hours um and I was just seeing you know the how they were worshiping and how um they had they had a vigil for 20 24 hours so they were awake all night and they were waiting for us and we were there late so we, we they were waiting for us and you know they were excited to even you know listen to what we had to say what the Lord had to say through us but as I was just in the background and just praying and being like, wow, this is like, this is crazy, you know, how they're worshiping. Um, I was asking the Lord, I'm like, why them and not us, right? Like, why do we have this reality, right? Like, we have, like, good cars and money. We don't have, you know, necessities necessarily. I mean, if you really have necessity here, then you really need to talk to me because I'll tell you what necessity is. Um, but... And the Lord, something, you know, that he told me, I was like, focus so much on that, right, on the resources, that the Lord is like, you're focusing on the wrong thing. He was like, regardless of your circumstance, whether you're in America, whether you're here, everybody needs Jesus, and you can tell that. You know, you can, you can tell in their worship that they're so hungry for the Lord. When we come here, we can tell that we're so hungry for the Lord. So that was one. Uh, so that was just really slapping the face and saying, like, wow, I came back more convicted for that. Um, and second, a really amazing story. Um, uh, they, the, the church that we partnered with, right there, is, they had a drum set, and I was playing on it. And it was very old, like very, very old. Later on, we found out that they had the same drum set ever since they opened the, the church, which was 18 years. Yeah, 2002. So they had the same drum set. And it was rusted. It was like, it was bad, guys. And I was, I was, I was playing and I was like well they, at least you know they have that and the Lord put in my heart to buy a new drum set and I, I talked to, to the team and I was like hey guys like I'm gonna buy a drum set for them you guys want to help out and they did and you know we pitched in and we buy a drum set long story short we surprised them and the young adults came and um, 
uh, Ronnie, the, the drummer, he was speechless. He was like, I can't believe you guys did that. And I was like, come on, play. He did not want to touch it until he told us the story. And the story is like, you have no, you don't understand. A week ago, I told the Lord. I told the Lord. I saw this same drum set in the same store that you bought it from. And I, and I said, I'm going to work very hard to get this. And, and he, he had share, shared it with Maria, and nobody had any idea that this was in his heart. And then when he saw it, he was speechless because it's like, it's the same color. It's the same one that I had asked the Lord and that I was, told, I was telling him I'm going to buy it. So for me, I'm crying, and it just makes me so emotional because the Lord sees the little things, you know. And they were faithful. Even with the, the drum set that they had, they were still faithful and they were worshiping the Lord. So I just want to say, like, it changed my life. And I, I came back even more convicted and more thankful and more even ashamed that sometimes I come and I don't worship as hard as they were worshiping every single day. So um, that's what happened in Nicaragua. Um, praise God. Um, sorry, kind of nervous. Uh, I don't do big crowds. <laughs> um, well, we went to the Mexico trip. We went to Tijuana, a group of 10 of us. And I just want to give God the glory because this is my first mission trip. I didn't know what to expect walking in, you know, not knowing what God was going to do in my life. And so I just asked him, I'm, I, you know, here are my hands, Lord. Here's my heart. Do what you got to do. Show me through your eyes what you want me to see. Give me your heart to feel what you want to feel. And just, you know, show me something. What, what's, um, what do you want me to do? Put me to work. And so we got there. We visited a lot of places. Uh, we visited La Roca Ministry in Tijuana, Mexico. And one of the places that really stuck out to me was the men's shelter. Um, it's like out in the country. You have to drive maybe on a dirt road for about 10, 15 minutes um, like a really bumpy road, and um, it's very powerful. Just coming out of the van, I saw the wide open area, like like all the buildings, all the men there. And what really touched me uh, personally was when I got to hear their stories. You know, the re it's a rehab center for men who have um, been in alcoholism, drugs, you name it. Um, talked to several men there. Got the opportunity to meet one. He really shared his testimony. He was very thankful. Um, as soon as we got there, he's like, thank you for coming. You know, I'm so happy that you're here. And I just looked at his eyes, and I'm like, no, thank you. You know, thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for allowing us to be here. Um, and thank you for receiving us with open arms because they showed me God's love. You know, they showed me how grateful they could be for a second opportunity. And that's where it hit me. I'm like, wow, this is how God's grace is. This is how as many times as we fail, because there's men there, and I've I heard um, a couple of them saying that they've gone through the program, they, um, the rehabilitation program, and then unfortunately, you know, they fall back into a, a bad decision, but uh, the program doesn't turn you away, you know, if you made one mistake. They welcome you back with open arms, and that, that hit me, I'm like, wow, that's how God's grace is, you know, no matter how many times I may fail or I may, you know, make one bad mistake, God doesn't push me away. 
God, op- uh, he welcomes me with open arms and it's just, I'm here to love you. I'm here to clean you back up and get you back on your feet, you know, put you back on that, that road you were taking. And honestly, I told God, what is it? Like, this is not the end. This, I, I didn't just come just to serve, just to receive something. And then in a couple of days, forget about it. And I asked, I'm like, what do you want us to do? We were talking with uh, Illyria on the way back, and that's when, you know, grind, uh, my gears started grinding. I'm like, what, how can we bring what we have, what, what they have over there in Mexico with Pastor Carlos and Rosie over there? What can we do to bring that here to Falls Church? Like, what can we do to bring that to our community, to not only Falls Church, not only to Virginia, to Maryland, to D.C., to all the surrounding areas? And, you know, it's something that's ongoing in me. And it's, I ask God, you know, if this is really something you want me to do, like put it inside of me. And it's something that's, you know, nudging me. And it's like, you got to do it. You got to love others. You got to serve others. And so that's, it's, it's just God's grace. You know, every day we learn something new and I'm thankful for this experience. Amen. Awesome. Praise the Lord. How many of you is your first mission trip where you went? Hey, look at that. All right. That's awesome. Super fun. Um, uh, There's several more coming up this year as well. Uh, There's a Guatemala and a Uganda trip. So if you haven't already checked those out, uh, we want to be able to uh, bless the world and to be able to see what we can do uh, in serving people around us from here and all the way there. So uh, the Lord did a lot. Obviously, you can only hear a little bit, but we're thankful for you guys, thankful for this team. Uh, so let me pray and uh, over that, over the ministries there, and then uh, we'll, we'll hear from the Lord, from the Word of God. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for what you did in Nicaragua, what you did in Mexico. We thank you, Lord, for the people that are still on the ground, Lord, that we just went to lift them up, to encourage them, to help Uh, So I pray that you would continue the good work, Lord, that you're doing there, that you would continue to save souls and transform hearts and lives, and that you would help us, Lord, as City Light. Uh, as it says in First Thessalonians, their faith has gone forth everywhere. I pray that would be true, true for us, Lord, that the faith we have in you here uh, would make a difference everywhere, uh, Lord, and that you would use us to make disciples of all nations. Uh, so we love you, and we just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. Uh, so, uh, Mexico, to give you a little background, Mexico is where our first international city light center took place. It's actually in such a dangerous part of the city that they could only drive by it. They didn't, they didn't even get out. Uh, and so they could just see it like that. Um, and it's doing great work. And so we're really partnering with La Roca Ministries there. Um, and our goal is to start these city light centers as ministry partners to either good local churches or to start the local church as needed. Uh, But the Lord has been um, bringing women out of prostitution, getting training, job help, obviously Jesus. And that's been happening the last several months because of your generosity. Uh, A couple years ago, we donated $75,000 so they could buy the space and so they could renovate it. And now there's lives being changed in it. All right. So you got to connect the dots always between what we're doing here and what the Lord's doing all over the place. Uh, Nicaragua, we were able to help train pastors and leaders to take some of the things we do here, uh, like our basic training information, some of the ways we build out church and to go take it down there and to be able to help provide structure and some theological training as well as evangelism. Uh, And so it was a really great time once again to utilize what the Lord is building and to be able to share that with others. And so uh, I wish I had uh, Pastor Luis here. He, He was telling me 
that uh, he, he got invited to the mayor's office in Nicaragua of this little town, and her team was there, and she was sharing about how she wanted to help the city and serve needs and all these things, you know, and take care of the poor and the whatever. And, and Pastor Luis was like, you know, that sounds a lot like Jesus, you know, and Jesus wants to do that. That's what we came to do. And he said, you know, the difference between what you're trying to do and what we're trying to do is that only Jesus can actually give people what they need. And, and he, he told me he was like filled with the, the spirit of boldness. And he looked at the mayor and said, you need Jesus, you know. Uh, uh, she's talking to him. He's like, no, no, no. And then he's like, you want to receive Jesus right now? You know, uh, those of you who know Pastor Luis, you can guess how he said it, you know, just looking at it right in the eye. You need Jesus, you know, and he's you need it right now. And he looks at the whole team. He's like, you all need Jesus. And he's just telling me this story and, and, and how many of them, it seemed to say that, yeah, we want to receive Jesus right now in this place. And, and, uh, there was an amazing work of God. And so, uh, that among many stories as we go out. So I want to encourage you, number one, uh, we will always be uh, and hopefully growing and serving the Lord internationally, starting City Light Centers and City Light Churches around the globe uh, prayerfully, and we want to send out teams unto that end. And so remember, there's two more trips this year, and then there'll be a lot set up next year as well. Uh, and so make sure to go on one of those at some point in time. We make several of them family-friendly as well. I actually took my kids to Tijuana last year. So uh, we, we invite people to do that. I don't know if now is necessarily time to do that, uh, but maybe, maybe soon, all right, maybe soon. Uh, so we'll see how the Lord works it out. Another way you can serve, there's a pop-up shop April 1st, so bring stuff. Once again, we're going to invite families to come get items that they need and serve the community. So bring good, new, donated, fresh items, okay? Do not bring your old underwear, okay? Do not do that. You will be excommunicated from this church, okay? Uh, no, don't do that. I assume it was an accident, but twice now we've had old underwear in donated clothes, okay? Uh, can you at least look through the trash bag that you're giving? Like, let's avoid that at all possible costs, all right? You guys are competent, wonderful human beings. Uh, there's no need to have old underwear in, in the bags, right? So let's avoid that. Let's give good, awesome, quality items. Let's buy new things to give away. But there's a list online. There's a list on Instagram. Uh, be sure to check that out and donate. You have two weeks to donate before, obviously, April 1st comes along and we serve on that day. Uh, it's kind of a big setup for Easter as well, which comes the week after that. All right. So today we have one simple verse, which is great because it's already 9.56. All right. So uh, we have one simple verse today from Ephesians chapter two. So go ahead and open your Bible. All right. All right. Verse 22 is all we're going to look at today. And as we read this, I, I, I want to uh, help you consider that the Lord wants to give you something real this morning. And the most real, authentic thing you can ever have is to be alive to the presence of God. You know, in an age of authenticity, as we desire something real, the world around us trying to find something real, we want something authentic. We want something real. I want to encourage you and to help you find the answer to the thing you've been wanting and experiencing or desiring. The most authentic, real experience in life is to be alive to the presence of God. So verse 22 says this, in him, you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the spirit. This was at the end of our text last week. 
and I wasn't able to devote as much attention to it as I would have liked, and so I was praying and asking the Lord, and it felt very clear to me that we needed to sit on this for a little bit as we continue to grow in an understanding of what does it mean to be a place of God's presence. What's the priority of a church to be a place that has relational impact with God? What does it look like for God to dwell with us? Because what we have to move beyond constantly is the idea that Christianity is information transfer, as in I download to you like a podcast things that are true about Jesus. You take them and you learn. No, 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 no. That's not it. Uh, We come together and under the word of God, we gather as a dwelling place for God and he relates and ministers back to us. Okay. This is why it's important to be here. This is not, I listen to it on a podcast, praise God. I listen to lots of sermons on a podcast, Uh, but it's different to gather together under the word of God. And we are a dwelling place for God. We, We need to constantly push ourselves into a desire for a real experience with God and not settle for simply knowledge about God. Our services are not about information transfer, but transformation. That's what it's about. And that's what the Lord wants to do in your life. And some of you are settling in your Christianity for information transfer. And the Lord wants to do transformation. But it's going to take being aware of who God is. Let me give you an example first. So if someone were to move into your house, I believe your relationship with that person would intensify, correct? If someone were to move in, your relationship would intensify for better or for worse, right? You'd either be really happy they were there and not want them to leave, or soon you'd be really ready for them to go, you know, and you'd be can't wait until they figure something else out. Your relationship with them would intensify, all right? This is like when this is not a person, but a dog. I had a dog move into my house about a year ago, and that dog has changed the dynamic of my entire house, you know? Uh, things get eaten all the time. There's stuff everywhere that's half chewed, you know, little poppy basketballs get popped. He likes to chew underwear. It's disgusting. Like there's all these weird things this dog does. Uh, he bark, you know, obviously he needs to go out. He's barking. Like His presence in the house has created a complete and utter change in the environment. It has created a dynamic that's pretty overwhelming. And it it changes my experience of being in my house. As soon as the dog moved in, my experience of my house has changed. And you know this when soon you move in or as soon as somebody moves in. And, you know, it's a very different question to ask. You can either ask who's living in your house or you can ask what is it like to have them live in your house. And some of you can only answer the first question, but you can't answer the second one about God. You know God is there, that he dwells in you by, the, by faith in Jesus. But what is it like? How has it been transformative? What is the dynamic of God living and dwelling with you? How would you describe that? That's the question we need to get more serious about. Here's the reality for us, uh, is that although God is omnipresent, which means he's everywhere, He also, all throughout the scriptures, reveals his desire to be somewhere, which is called his manifest presence. So just because God is everywhere does not mean that he doesn't manifest 
in greater measure himself somewhere. And this is what we ought to pursue. This is the reality all the way back from the Old Testament into the New, which is what we're going to look at a little bit this morning. This is what we want to understand is what does it look like for God to be present? And some of you, listen to me, you recognize that God is everywhere, but you don't relate to him anywhere. You recognize in your brain, because you've grown up in church or whatever, that God is everywhere. You recognize that fact, but you don't relate to him anywhere. There's not an engagement with the person of God in the scriptures at your house. There's not an engagement with the person of God in worship with the people of God. You recognize God is everywhere. You got the information down, but you do not relate to him anywhere. There's no transformation taking place. You come for a service, but you don't seek the Savior. You come to learn, but not to lean in to what God is doing. You will bring your head, but you leave your heart. And this is what I want to help us move into this morning. And there's another category of some of you who recognize your need for something real and authentic, but you keep looking for it in all the wrong places because you will not acknowledge or surrender or submit to the living God. Your search for something real remains and you will never find it no matter how much information you download into your life and no matter how many experiences you get in your life, none of those will do the trick. We all know that it just doesn't work. And some of you have been, while you're watching online or you're here and you're searching and you're seeking and I'm so glad that you are here because God wants to give you the answer to your inmost desire for something real in life. Like I said before, the most authentic experience is to be alive to God's presence. And so there are really two categories of people in light of that. There's people who know the Lord who need to lock in to living out this reality. And then there's those of you who don't know the Lord yet who need to enter in by putting faith and trust in Christ. And so here's two simple things I want you to understand and then we're done. All right. The first is this, the purpose of the gospel is for God to dwell with his people. I, I want to help you understand what I'm talking about when we're talking about, okay, God dwelling with us, the presence of God. I want you to remember or learn for the first time, the purpose of the gospel is for God to dwell with his people. Why God, God saves you. He's not like a rescuer that like saves you and then says, go enjoy your life. No, he saves you to be with you. This is the point. And he saves us to be with us forever. Remember last week, look in verse 13 of chapter two. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are far off have been brought near, brought near, not just saved or changed. What's the language here? It's of proximity. You have been brought near to God, by the blood of Christ. So this is the point of the gospel. God has been working throughout the world to create a dwelling place for himself. A way to think about this is that salvation is unto habitation. You are saved so that God can dwell with you and so that you can dwell with God. God takes away our sin why? Not just so that we don't have to go to hell, but he takes away our sin so that he can make a way to be with us. 
The purpose is not just to avoid hell or to enter into a paradise called heaven. The purpose is to be with God. And if you are with God, then you are in heaven. It's not like I go to heaven and I get God. No, it's I get God and then heaven's the byproduct of being close to God. Because that's where God is. And I can't get God who is holy if I don't get my sin taken away. So God comes and Jesus Christ dies on a cross to take away my sin, not just so that I can avoid hell, but so that I can be with God who is holy. And I cannot be with God who is holy unless I am made holy. And I cannot make myself holy by trying hard to be good. And so the work of the gospel is to clear the rubble of my sin, to make a clear pathway unto God so that I can be with God. Let me read you the very end here, Revelation 21. It says this, what's happened? What's the end? Where is this all going? Where is history headed? Where is humanity headed? What's the deal? Here's what the Bible tells us. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, it's the same language. Look, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be their God. He will wipe away. Now, here's the byproduct. Verse three is the reality that we need. Verse four is the byproduct of having God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither there shall be mourning, crying, pain for the former things have passed away. So when verse three is true about me, that God, that I am now a dwelling place for God, that he dwells with me and I dwell with him, then the, verse four becomes my reality in some measure now, but in full measure later with God in heaven. Verse four is the byproduct of verse three. So the goal is not verse four, which is where we've made our mistakes sometimes. Jesus saves me so I don't have to go to hell and I can go to heaven. That's all wonderful. That's the byproduct. Jesus saves me so that I can be with him. And when I am with him, the result of being with God is that he wipes away my tears. The result of being with God in heaven is that there's no pain or death anymore. So you got to get this part right. Okay, if this is where everything is headed, this is the point. It's clear, right? This is the point. Why is God saving people? Why is God working? What does he do on the cross? What's the point of the gospel? What are the scriptures teaching us? The whole thing is leading to this reality that God dwells with his people. So if that's true forever, and that's the main truth of the universe, then ought that, be, ought that to be the main truth that we're trying to live in now? If that's the truth forever, then that needs to be the truth that we focus in on now. 
Listen, you are made for this. And this is why some of you, you're just not feeling it and you're not, you're missing out in life. The the answer to your life is very simple. You are made to be with and to dwell with God. You are made to be in relationship to God, both now and forever. And until that takes place, you will simply always feel off. You will always be missing the mark. Your life will never make sense and you'll never find the real authentic experience you've been looking for. And so the simple invitation from God today is that he has sent Jesus Christ to die on a cross to take away your sin. Jesus rose from the dead on the third day. And if you put your faith and trust in him, not only do you not go to hell and go to heaven, but most important is you get God, who is everything you've been looking for your entire life. And for some of us, you need to remember that the point of God saving you was to give you himself. You've missed that. Now you're trying to be a good Christian. That wasn't the point. You come into church. That's great. That wasn't the point. The point was that you would get God and that now you would constantly grow in your relationship to God. I mean, the whole storyline of the Bible is a group of people gathered around the presence of God. This is true as soon as God reveals himself to them. This gets especially true when the temple comes and now it gets true when Jesus comes and and dwells with us. And then it gets really true when the Holy Spirit comes and lives in us. Think, God makes a temple. Why? So that he can be present. Isn't God everywhere? Yes, he wants to be somewhere. And he wants to interact with you in that place. So God makes a temple, even though he's everywhere, so he can be somewhere so that you can come and interact and be with him. This is the first step. And God engages with his people. He sends prophets, he sends leaders, his spirit comes and goes. But then in the New Testament, Jesus comes and the ultimate form, God himself comes to dwell with his people. And what's the byproduct of Jesus being on earth? It's verse four, wiping away every tear, healing disease and death. When Jesus shows up in his presence, even though he's everywhere, Jesus shows up somewhere and the byproduct of the presence of Jesus is that people start to get healed and the dead start to come to life and people start to find joy in the midst of their pain in life. Why? It was because Jesus was there and they were interacting with him. He was present somewhere and they engaged with him. Mary sat at his feet. You know, this is the reality. So Jesus shows up and then Jesus dies and he goes back to heaven. But what does he do? He says, I will not leave you alone. I will send the Holy Spirit and he will be with you. This is John 14. And so Jesus leaves, but then he sends the Holy Spirit and he actually says, this is better for you because it's one thing to have Jesus beside you and it's a total other thing to have Jesus inside you. So he says, I'm going to go, but it's going to be better because I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. What's the purpose of sending the Holy Spirit? It's so that God can dwell with you so that even though Jesus is not physically present like he was 2000 years ago, he is more accessible now by the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. And so now the reality is you put your faith in Christ and then the Bible says when you trust in Jesus, we've already seen this in Ephesians 1, you receive and are sealed by the Holy Spirit, which means that when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you don't have to wait for heaven to dwell with God. 
You get God and all of his truth and reality now, and you get to enjoy. This is why John 10 says, I came to give you abundant life. Both is reality, both now and forever. So Jesus wants to give you abundant life forever, and there's a measure to that you can enjoy now. But you see the point of this? So now the Holy Spirit comes and dwells with his people. And the Holy Spirit works and moves in the lives of his people. And we see that all throughout Acts in the New Testament. And then the end goal in Revelation when everything's over is that this would all be consummated with God and that we would all be together forever with God. Is, are you getting the point? This is the scriptures. This is what God's desire is for you, is to be with you and to know you and that your relationship with God would be vibrant and alive and that it would be relational and that you would know him both experientially and in knowledge. And some of you are settling for knowledge and God wants to give you some experience. We all know what changes people. It's experiences that change people. It's the experience of a mission trip. You think they didn't know what mission trips were before they went? Did I have to define mission trip to them? No, but what changed it? It was the experience, being there. And for many of you, I don't have to define who God is or what God does, but you're not experiencing it. And it's not changing you. So this is the truth of the scriptures. That's the first thing I wanted to, I just wanted to unload on you to say this isn't like... uh, something Nate thinks or just whatever. No, no, no. Let me just, this is the whole point of the whole Bible. All right. So that's the, the purpose of the gospel is that we would dwell with God. Okay. The second thing. And finally is that the purpose of the church is to be a place of God's presence then. Okay. If the purpose of the gospel and the work of Jesus Christ to die for sin and to rise again is so that those who believe in him can be with God, then the purpose of the group of people who've put their trust in God is to be a people who are known for being with God. Wouldn't that be the point? If God saves you to be with him, then the people who own G or who like, who identify with Jesus, the people who are Christians, the people who love God, the people who the gospel has saved, wouldn't the defining mark of those people be that they are with God? Isn't that it? It's not that you know a lot. Or that you do a lot of nice things. Those are not the defining marks. The defining mark of a Christian is the presence of God. The defining mark of a church is the presence of God. This is when 1 Corinthians 14 teaches us when the scripture says, when the church gathers together and unbelievers should be able to walk in and the Lord being so present and at work, the first thing they'll say is surely God is among you. And some of you would respond to that person, well, yes, God is everywhere. He's omnipresent. And that's, that's when you know, that's when you know you've settled for information and not transformation. Although God is everywhere, he loves to show up somewhere. And the mark of a house of God should be preeminently that God is here. And that it can not only be understood, but felt. And some of you are so scared of your feelings or you're so scared of experiences that you're running away from them. 
And you certainly, as we say all the time, this is word spirit, man. Like you need the word of God to provide foundation and boundaries to set the stone. Say some things just certainly, you know, there are there's some sort of a box to live in, but a ton of my relationship with God is subjective. You know, it's experiential. It's not something I can necessarily quantify all the time uh, or, or measure or exactly know. And so you need to know the scriptures so you have a good foundation and then you need to pursue a relationship with God. So the purpose of the church is to be a place of God's presence and to carry God's presence to the places we go. So now this becomes true about your house. As a Christian home, the mark of your house should be that God is there. That God is welcome there. That God is discussed often there. That worship is, the, is a centerpiece of the home. That the word of God is there. You know, like this should be the marker of that. When you go to work, one of the most important things you can do to impact your environment is to carry God's presence with you, to not quench the Holy Spirit, to be one with God. Okay, so we are a place of God's presence, which means we pursue this. All right, here's what I want to do now. I think y'all get that. This is where we're at to say this is what we want to be. We say, well, how do I actually do that? You know, great, cool. What does that change about my life? Okay, here's, I'm just going to give you act, A-C-T, say, I want you to act on it, okay? So here's the reality about God being present, and I want you to act on it. So I don't want you just to know it, I want you to act on it. So what can we do? And this is true for all of us, so if you're still here wondering about Christianity, this is some of your first steps as well, okay? A is awareness. I love the part of that song, let us become more aware of your presence. Uh, That's A, awareness. Here's the phrase you want to go with that. Be conscious of a connection with God. Be conscious of a connection with God. As I was uh, even preaching this, I thought of, so I don't have it on the, on the screen for you. Uh, there's this guy, his name is Frank Laubach. He wrote a book called Practicing His Presence, which to many of you have already given it to you. It's probably my favorite book to hand out. He also has this thing, if you Google it, called The Game With Minutes. And part of his game with minutes is to pick a particular hour of the day and see how intentionally he can own his thoughts to place them towards God. And then to see how many minutes in that hour could he give to conscious connection with God as a means by which to practice this, okay? So it's to be in your car and to be conscious of a connection with God. To pursue him mentally, to pray, to think, to worship. It's to be in your home and to be conscious of a connection with God. It's to be at work and just to be conscious of a connection with God. Are you supposed to spell the gospel in your Excel sheet? No. I mean, you want to do that? Fine. But it's just to be, be, as you're there and as you're working and doing a job and providing for your family or whatever it is, and you're doing good work, praise the Lord for that. Well, be conscious of a connection with God. Memorize scripture. Think about him often. All right? Tune your mind into this. Right? Some of you are old enough to remember when you had to tune your radio, you know? Right? None of y'all understand that anymore. But you had to tune it. You had to find where it hit just right. All right? This is actually still true of the DVD thing in my car because it works with the radio. I don't know why. It's probably because it's a cheap version of it. And we have to find the exact radio station for the DVD sound to work, which is super annoying. But I have to, you have to find it and you have to hope for the right spot. So you got to tune your life and your heart, which is why you need the word of God, which is why you need to gather with the people of God. So simply it's to be aware. It's to be aware of a connection with God. Here's a phrase I want to give you when, it, when you look at uh, this reality here. Because God is three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
It says here, let's just break it down. In him, you are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the spirit. So you have the Trinity there. Okay. So how do I live in connection with God? Well, we're not going to get totally into this, but if you have more questions, I have to live in connection with God as three. Some of you are relating with God as one, you know, and not as three. So you thank Jesus that he saved you. You have no idea what to do with the Holy Spirit and, uh, and you don't talk about God the Father that much. And so I want you to think about this. Look, just write this down. We live for God when we live in Christ and by the Spirit. So the best way to live for God is to live in Christ, to abide in Christ, to think about him often, to thank him for what he's done for you, to read the word of God, and to live by the Spirit, which is to live by the Spirit, to speak much of Jesus to provide the works of the spirit, to control the works of the flesh so that you don't live by the flesh. So that's awareness. Be conscious of a connection with God. The second C is community. It says here, this is just from the verse, verse 22, we are being built together into a dwelling place. So we are being built together. This is the reality for us is that when we are gathering together, we experience this more. When you're in a lighthouse, you experience this more. When you're gathering with people throughout the week, you experience this more. It's just that simple. Why, why would I, why, what's one element of coming to church? Well, it's that I would experience the manifest presence of God. Can you experience God at home? Sure you can. But there's something powerful when believers gather together. Why? Because we are being built, it says, together. So here's something for you to write down. The more union I experience with Christ, the more unity I will experience with others. This goes hand in hand. So when I'm growing in my union with Christ, I will grow in unity with others. And oftentimes, the reason for your disunity with others is that you are disconnected from Christ. Experientially. Not, you can't, you can't, you're not going to lose your salvation. But experientially, you're disconnected. And so now you're creating disunity with others. So community, you need community. So lighthouses are things that are groups that meet during the week. You can find them online. They provide community by which you can experience the presence of God and you can grow in your faith and have people around you to help you do that. We gather on Sundays to do that. We pray at Restore Thursday nights to do that. The young adults meet Tuesday nights to do that. The youth meet Sunday nights to do that. All of these things are places by which we gather together. You need each other to experience this. So that's C. So A is awareness. C is community. Get in community. If you are not in community, there are a million ways we've set that up for you, but you are just simply missing out. That's all I got to say. And then T is time. Time. Here's the, the final example I want to give you. You can't microwave cake batter. You can't microwave. Have you guys ever made a cake by sticking it in the microwave for two minutes? No. <laughs> that was my own son who just ruined my illustration. Wow. Wow. I love you anyways. Unbelievable. All right, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's wrap it up. I don't even know. I don't even know what to say. Okay, back to it. Let me teach him. You cannot microwave cake batter. Okay? You can. You, technically, you can. It won't turn into a cake. All right? Time. Here's the main thing most of you are not giving God. Time. I just want to break it down. This is me too. The main thing that's keeping us from fully experiencing the presence of God is that we just don't give it enough time. We just don't give it enough time. And for all of us to grow is to give God more time. You can't microwave cake batter and you can't microwave the presence of God. This is why like when we meet on Thursday nights or whenever, or even in a service, 
on Sunday mornings, it's the element of time. It's time with God. It's time to get present, you know? I had a friend who used to use this great illustration. He'd say, it takes like a, well, I think it was, and I didn't even plan to say this, so I could be off, but it takes like a mile for a train to stop is the idea. So as soon as the train begins to stop, it takes a mile for it to actually stop. So it's not present, you know, for a mile. And that's true with us is that it probably, even practically in your experience, would take you 10 to 15 minutes to actually be present. You know, you're not really here at service until you're about 15 minutes in. You know that. You say, wait, wait, wait. no, that's true. You know that. You know that. You walked in, you just yelled at your kids 30 minutes ago. You know, like, <laughs> you're, you and your wife are just fighting. You know, like, you walked in, most of you, you know, you're not walking in like this. Oh, Lord Jesus. You know, no. You're like, man, life is tough. And that's why we're here together. That's why we need each other. All right? We all recognize that. Stop pretending, okay? Okay? So you're in 15 minutes. The same with your Bible. Same with prayer. You just, you're not really there until you give it some time. But generally speaking, most people leave before they even slow down. So it's like jumping off the train, you know? It hasn't even stopped yet. You need to give God more time. You can't microwave cake better. You'll never eat a cake that way. You can't microwave your relationship with God. You'll never experience God that way. All right? You need, a, you need crock pot Christianity, okay? So awareness, community, time. We are made to be with God, and God wants to be with us. And so let's pray, and let's worship, and let's respond to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for your love for us. Thank you that you want to dwell with us and be with us. Thank you that you are here with us. And I pray that you would help us engage with your presence, Lord, and more intentionally, more clearly, and that the defining mark of this church would be that we're a people of your presence. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.